Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hello, and welcome back to the Asian Madness Podcast. If you're new, welcome. And if not, glad to have you back. This podcast will cover true crime, mysteries, urban legends, and all things weird from the Asian continent. If you are into any of the things I mentioned, then you're in the right place. Now let's begin this madness, shall we? Before I begin this week's episode, I would like to play a promo for a podcast that I personally find very, very enjoyable. Please take a listen. Ted Bundy. Jeffrey Dahmer. Ed Gein. Eileen Warnos. Edmund Kemper. Do all of these names sound familiar to you? We bet they do. Well, you're never going to hear them on our podcast. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Brittany. And I'm Justine. And we're the hosts of It's About Damn Crime, a true crime podcast focusing on cases featuring people of color. And if you're looking for serious storytelling, this is not the place. No. (laughs) But we do promise, no matter how hardcore a true crime fan you think you are, we're going to tell you at least one story you've never heard of. So give us a listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, basically anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Or you can always check us out on our website at www.itsaboutdamncrime.com. And remember, there's a lot of desert out there. Sure is. Yep. Cheers. Brittany and Justine like to focus on crimes involving minorities. So if you're into true crime, I highly suggest that you check these two girls out. You're most likely to hear stories that you've never heard of. Okay, now let's get on with the episode. Russia, formerly known as the USSR or Soviet Union, currently known as the Russian Federation. It's an enormous country that can neither be labeled as a country in Asia or in Europe. 75% of the country itself lies in the Asian continent, but only 25% of its population actually live on the Asian side. Area-wise, Russia is the largest country in the world, and population-wise, it is the ninth most populous country. 
its population amounting to 144.5 million as of 2017. Russia spans over 11 time zones and shares its land borders with 14 countries. Historically speaking, Russia has had a lot going on, starting from the Slavic tribes to the Grand Duchy of Moscow, then to the Tsardom in the 16th century, eventually leading to the Russian Revolution and its participation in World War I, World War II, and the Cold War. In more recent history, the Soviet Union eventually dissolved in the year 1991. Once the Soviet Union dissolved, it resulted in 12 independent republics, including Belarus, Ukraine, Georgia, Moldova, etc. Three other states, including Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania, also became independent. The Soviet Union had made some impressive achievements during the 20th century, including sending the world's first human into space. At one point, they also had the world's second-largest economy, world's largest standing military, and the world's largest weapon collection of mass destruction. They probably still have one of the world's largest standing military and weapon collection. The capital city of Russia is Moscow. 80% of the population is made up of Russians, and the main language is Russian. There are over 160 ethnic groups in Russia, and considering how big the country is, it is no surprise that they also house a variety of different religions and culture. Some of the most famous Russians in history include Fyodor Dostoevsky, Leo Tolstoy, Larissa Latinina, Maria Sharapova, Ivan the Terrible, Vladimir Lenin, Joseph Stalin, and of course, Vladimir Putin. This week we will be looking at one of the worst serial killers known in Russian history. No, he wasn't killing people in any wars or revolutions. He was actually just killing for his own sake and to satisfy his own needs. His name is Mikhail Popkov, otherwise known as the Wednesday Murderer or later on as the Werewolf Killer. His victim count is extraordinarily high, so you may want to brace yourself for this case. It's also more or less graphic, so listener discretion is definitely advised. Also, let's be real. Russian names are difficult to pronounce correctly. I googled the heck out of Russian pronunciations, so hopefully it will just be kind of bad, but not horrible. A former Russian police officer has now become the worst serial killer in the country's history. He was charged this week with multiple killings on top of the murder charges he's already faced. Let's talk about this with Nira Chu to discuss what is a horrifying story. This has gone back so many years, so many victims. Um, for viewers that don't know what's, what this is about, take us through it. I have to say, Kevin, when I started researching this, it really was like, uh, like reading the script of a Hollywood horror movie. Mm. Um, the man in question is Mikhail Popkov. He's nicknamed the werewolf. He's 53 years old. And he raped almost all of his victims before killing them. Their ages ranged between 17 and 38 years of age in the region, one of the regions in Siberia. Now, what he did is he lured women into his car. Uh, he waited for them outside clubs, restaurants, lots of other public places. Um, and then he would offer them a lift or fun in the woods, and then he would rape and kill them um, with an axe, a knife, a bat, or other hand um, weapons. So let's begin with a brief introduction of our killer. 
His name is Mikhail Popkov, born in March 7, 1964, in the city of Angarsk, Russia. All his crimes take place in the city, in the district of Siberia. Very little family and background information could actually be found on this guy, though there is one very important piece of information that may or may not have affected his choice in murdering people. It was said that he grew up with an alcoholic and abusive mother. I cannot tell you how bad the abuse was or how long he suffered, but it must have been a terrible experience, at least something that could take a toll on a child. I, of course, do not think that this is an excuse, but it's just something that we cannot dismiss. Around the year 1987, Popkov marries his then-girlfriend, Elena. They soon give birth to a daughter named Ekaterina, or Katya for short. At this time, both Popkov and his wife are working in law enforcement, with Popkov being an actual police officer. This is one of the reasons why it took so long for this case to be solved and why it was such a major shock when it was actually solved. But let's keep going for now. The three led a relatively happy life until around the early 90s, possibly 1991 or 92. Popkov returns home one day and is suspicious of his wife. He discovers two used condoms inside his trash bin, and when he questions Elena about it, she denies having an affair, saying that she had some friends over at their house previously, possibly hosting a get-together, and people kind of maybe did stuff. Anyway... Popkov was not convinced, and something in his brain sort of snapped. Despite his wife claiming innocence, he held some sort of resentment, and a few months after this, he began killing. This was in the year 1992, and his killings ended around the year 2010. Before I start giving out details on his murderer's rampage, you have to know that this man led a perfect double life similar to that of Dennis Rader, a.k.a. BTK. He was a good police officer, he was a good husband, he doted on his daughter, took a bunch of family outings, mingled and socialized with his fellow co-workers, and all that stuff. Nothing in his usual life or his demeanor ended up giving him away, so bear that in mind for now. So you might want to know just how many victims did this Wednesday murderer or werewolf killer had in total. Initially, as in a few years ago in 2013, it was officially stated as 22. But early last year, he admitted to about 49 or 50 more, depending on the source you're reading. That brings his total victim count to about 82. That number made him the worst serial killer in Russia's history, even worse than that of Andrei Chikatilo or Alexander Pichushkin. I am sorry to say that I do not have information on all his victims. Honestly, if I did, I would consider starting a serial-type podcast focusing just on his crimes and his victims. So instead, I will give you the information that is available on some of his victims, including the where, the how, and the why. Popkov was a police officer. Many times during the night, he would ride around in his police car looking for women who were either alone, drunk, 
open to his advances, or all of the above. He would feel a sense of anger when knowing that women were out drinking and having fun without their husbands or their boyfriends. He was determined to clean up the streets, get rid of all the women who he considered to be sluts. He himself would admit that he had a strong desire to teach and punish these women. He would use his law enforcement identity to lure women into his car, pretending to give them a lift to their destination or if they were interested in a hookup. Once he got them alone, he would drive them to remote places, mostly wooded areas, and demand they first strip naked, and then he would proceed to attack them. His choice of weapon was never the same, but he usually took turns with a knife, an axe, a knotted rope for strangulation, or a screwdriver. He would even take weapons that had been confiscated from other criminals out of the police department and use them later to kill his victims. Once his victims were unconscious, he would proceed to rape them. Sometimes he would be too violent when attacking them that instead of passing out, they would end up being killed right away. To him? Mm, didn't matter. Dead or alive. He pretty much raped all his victims, and if they happened to be alive, he would just kill them after he was done with them. Now, I will give you the story behind Tatiana Martinova, 20 years old, and her friend Yulia Kuprikova, who was 19. These two girls were murdered together in October of 1998. Tatiana received tickets from her sister, Victoria, to go to a concert one night in late October. And while her husband, Igor, was against it, Tatiana and her friend, Yulia, decided to go anyway. They did not make it home that night. Igor and Victoria were both very worried, and they became even more worried when they found out that Yulia, the friend, never made it home either. They informed the police, but were told that since Tatiana and Yulia were both adults, they had to wait three days to make any missing persons report. Except they didn't even have to wait the three days. The mutilated bodies of Tatiana and Yulia were discovered that night, October 29th, by a shepherd. Their bodies were raped, cut, and chopped. Tatiana's older brother, Oleg, flew in from Moscow and helped identify her body. Her body had been so mutilated that Oleg's face turned a shade of green as Victoria would later state. Despite the gruesome murder, Tatiana's face was in good condition, so while she had an open casket funeral, her friend Yulia did not. In June of the year 2000, another pair of friends, Marina Lizina, 35, and her co-worker Lilia Pashkovskaya, 37, were off visiting Marina's sister. The temperature was nice as it was near summertime, so the pair decided to walk back home instead of grabbing a taxi like they initially planned. As you may have guessed, neither one made it home. Their bodies were found on June 5th and were buried three days later. Both were closed caskets as their faces were too disfigured. One of the worst killings Popkov committed include decapitating a woman and while her body was found in a bin, her head was found in a complete different district. Another woman had her heart gouged right out of her body. 
but Popkov later on would deny ever gouging out the heart of his victims. Despite having killed so many young women, there was a time in which he had failed. But don't get excited. The outcome really is a head shaker. Here's how it went. Popkov was out doing his usual scouting at late at night when he came upon the 15-year-old Svetlana. She got into his car believing he was a kind police officer who was going to help her. She was so wrong. Popkov took her to a remote wooded area and ordered her to strip naked. She did as she was told, and he smashed her head against a tree and she immediately lost consciousness. Miraculously, she did not die. When she awoke, she was already in the hospital, but she had survived out in the wild, naked, in sub-zero temperatures. Of course, Svetlana and her mother went to the police, but the police were said to have been very slow and uncooperative. The attitude the police department gave her became even worse when Svetlana insisted that the perpetrator was a police officer and she knew exactly who the perpetrator was. The police department still had to follow up with her accusations, and when Popkov was questioned regarding his whereabouts on that specific night, his wife Elena jumped in and provided them with an alibi. Yes, she lied for her husband. Maybe she felt that he was wrongly accused, or maybe she felt that she owed it to him for letting him feel so insecure all those years ago. Whatever it was, she literally gave him a free pass to go out and kill more women. The police department obviously chose to believe one of their own, and not a 15-year-old girl who was out alone at night, hitchhiking. Sad? Definitely. Unfair? For sure. It's the kind of situation where you're a well-respected individual, and no matter what you do, People will choose to believe you. Have you had enough of this guy? I have. I've seen so many photos of him, I couldn't forget him even if I tried. So now let's put all his crazy murders behind us, and I'll tell you how he was caught. Around the year 2010, Popkov had retired from the police department and became a security guard in a private sector, Angarsk Oil and Chemical Company. He probably thought he got away with all his murders, and oddly enough, he seemed to have stopped killing after leaving his job. But there was one thing he could never have predicted. As Jesse Pinkman from Breaking Bad would say, Yeah, Mr. White! Yes, science! It indeed was science. Authorities from all over Russia began to collect fingerprints and DNA profiles of all law enforcement officials including those of Popkov. Around 3,500 police officers were part of this, and once they ran the DNA through the system, they had a shocking discovery. Someone from their own family actually matched the DNA discovered at so many of the crime scenes. Of course, it was Popkov's. He was arrested June 23, 2012. Finally, the werewolf wannabe was off the streets and sent to face his crimes. First, let's look at his family's reaction. Both Elena and Katya were shocked. They refused to believe that this loving father and reliable husband could actually be a murderer. Uh-uh, no freaking way. 
I kind of feel that Elena must have known there was something off about her husband. I mean, he killed so many people. Maybe she did notice something, but dismissed it. I mean, if my husband was acting slightly weird, I would be concerned and maybe try to guess what was wrong. Maybe he's sick? Maybe he's having a midlife crisis? But I definitely, probably would not jump to the conclusion that, oh, he must be a mass murderer who raped and tortured women. As for his daughter, I feel more sympathy towards her. She remembers her father as always being there for her, treating her like the classic daddy's little girl, and taking her out on trips and having fun with her. She's also insisted that her father never had any marks on him. No bite marks, no scratch marks, nothing. In response to her father's arrest, Katya said something along the lines of, The victims must have fought back. There is no way that they didn't fight back. Are they just going to lie around and wait for him to kill them and rape them? This sounds a bit like victim blaming, but you have to understand this is her father, so she's still in denial. Katya also recalls a time where one of her school teachers was murdered by the werewolf, and she went to her father the following day asking him for money because everybody was donating money to the teacher's funeral. And, of course, Popkov gave her money. He basically paid for the funeral of the woman that he killed. I understand she might be trying to convince everyone and herself, but considering the fact that he was a police officer and had authority, his victims were probably too terrified to fight back. Despite his wife and daughter's belief in him, they eventually left and moved to another city cutting off all contact with him. As for Popkov's confessions, he admits that he killed a lot of women and that he had a hard time remembering all of them since he never counted. All he wanted to do was to cleanse the streets of prostitutes. When he was psychologically evaluated, he insisted that he was sane and knew exactly what he was doing. He pretty much low-key blamed his wife for everything that happened, referring to her affair as, This was the impetus for my future. If I had seen the treason with my own eyes, I would perhaps have done everything differently. Everyone goes through such things differently. Meaning, some people cry, some people get divorced and move on, and then some go out and murder 82 women. Yep. In his initial confessions, he said that he was only responsible for the murders up till the year 2000, as he had accidentally contracted syphilis from one of his victims. He said that he became impotent after that, so he had to stop. So is he trying to say that his murders were focused on the sexual component? Well, after several investigations, they discovered that this was a false claim and that although he did get syphilis, it did not cause him to become impotent. His colleagues at the police department were probably shocked and slightly embarrassed. Dmitri said that Popkov was the soul of the party and a very good police officer. His other buddy, Nikolai, a colleague that was in charge of investigating Popkov after Svetlana accused him of being the monster that he is, was heavily criticized for not handling the case very well. 
for not being objective, and for dismissing the victim. Popkov was eventually charged for 22 murders and was sentenced to life in prison. He told the court, I admit my guilt in full. Committing the murders, I was guided by my inner convictions. Then, January of last year, upon further investigation, Popkov confessed to having murdered 60 more women, shocking the entire world once again. Many of his claims are still being investigated, and while some of his stories do match the evidence found, others are still being looked into. I have never heard of this guy before, but after reading information about him online, I decided I had to look into it a bit more. There are also some interesting facts and tidbits about this case that I would like to share with you. The initial profile on the killer was said to be, quote, he is charming and sociable. Women like him, but he is a beast inside, and it is always hard to fight a werewolf. So remember he had two nicknames? He was first dubbed the Wednesday murderer because many of the bodies were discovered on Wednesdays. But later on, it changed to werewolf as he was only known to come out at night. Whether or not his wife was having an affair or not, it is unclear. Some sources say she was wrongly accused, and some sources actually provide the name of the man Elena was seeing for a brief while. As of last year, his daughter Katya, 30 years old, spoke to the press regarding her current life. She was married and pregnant with a baby boy. She had been seeking psychiatric advice because she was genuinely worried that her child might inherit the same genes as her father, concerned that he might inherit the inclination of his grandfather. It seems as if she had come to terms with it, but somewhere within her, she still does not want to believe it. Popkov was horrible, no doubt. With a victim count of 82, Popkov is easily the worst serial killer in Russian history and the third worst serial killer known to the world. The first two would be Luis Garavito, also known as The Beast from Colombia, and Pedro Lopez, also from Colombia. At first, I was a bit surprised that Popkov wasn't sentenced to death, but after reading about it, I found out that the capital punishment is currently not allowed in Russia. There hasn't been any executions since the year 1996. So, there you have it. The killings committed by a man who was expected to protect and serve the people. A two-faced person. One side beast, one side human. So many innocent women lost their lives because of him. After being apprehended, Popkov told the Moscow Times... I had no right to evaluate people, their behavior. This is my repentance. Is he remorseful, or does he only regret it because he was caught? Popkov once stated that he was born in the wrong time, and there was no way to anticipate that science would be able to help catch him. I actually believe this is true. If it weren't for the collecting and analyzing of the DNA, he probably would have gone on living his life and all these murders would continue to be unsolved. Can you imagine that? 
As always, I want to thank the following people for reviewing my podcast. From the US, Nanarita40, Steph Marcel, Lucky Jean, Brookie321, and Noelle, the host from the podcast, Heil on Life. Thank you guys so much. I also want to thank my newest Patreon members, Mike Brown from the Dark Poutine Podcast, Jennifer McFadden, the podcast Les Mordia, Scott Quinn, and another podcast, Better in Bed. And yes, this podcast is about sex. Thank you guys so much. I am really, truly flattered, and it still amazes me how people want to review you and want to give you money for doing this. I mean, don't get me wrong, I am doing the best I can, and I really do devote a lot of time to this podcast. So every little bit helps, and you have no idea how much this means to me. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you're somehow enjoying this podcast, please help me by reviewing, rating, and subscribing. Please also join me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Username Asian Madness Pod. My email is asianmadnesspod at gmail.com. Please write me if you have any comments, suggestions, or just want to say hi to me. I'm your host, Jessica, aka DMAD Asian. Till next time. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving, plus high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H E R O.CO.